Lord, that our hope can be in you. And I will not be afraid. Lord, that we can rest in this hope that you have for us and understand the weight of what it is that anchor, that hope actually is. It's not just some word that is supposed to just be so fluffy. And it is helpful, Lord, but there's so much to it, Lord. I pray that you will just pour out the spirit of hope in this room today. Lord God, that we will see your glory ahead of us, that we'll reach out and see the future that is to come, Lord God, so it'll change our circumstance in the now and we'll take our eyes off of the past and look to the future hope that we have in you. Lord God, I pray your spirit in this room, it's here, Lord, but I pray an extra anointing that your, your angels are sitting around just hanging out and watching us and, and praising with us, Lord God. And just looking at us, seeing how much fun we have. Lord God, I pray fun in this room today, a celebration of the spirit of hope that you give us, Lord God. I thank you for everyone in here, and I thank you for the opportunity to stand and to present your word. In your precious name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Woo! I love church. I really do. I know I say this all the time, but I just love church so much. And the fact that I get to talk about the word with you just pumps me up. And so be ready to be pumped today. Okay. Um, I'll just put my water here. <clears throat> Hi. I just want to disclaim this too. I know that Andy, oh wow, my Bible is heavy. Did you see that? Okay. Andy doesn't like those cheesy devotionals, but I'll take them if you have them. Oh, thank you. Um, also, my Bible just broke. This is so sad. So if it falls out, it's just, we'll get over it. Okay, um, so good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy Black Friday survival. I don't know. Like, I, um, anybody feel like those are the reasons why you had to come to church today? You ate too much. You shopped too much. Church was the place. Just me? Okay. Okay. Just wondering. Um, and also, my name is Allie. If you are new, I know that there are quite a few people out of town, but we also have family members in town. So welcome if you're new. Um, I would love to get a chance to meet you. I am on staff here, but my dad is actually the lead pastor, and he is out of town this week. Um, if you can be praying for him, my grandma, his mom, is um, in hospice care right now, and this last week has been um, just really, really tough for her. So my dad left yesterday, and he is going to be there until he feels like it is time to come home um, and relative sense. So if you can just be lifting them up. In God's great provision, though, we had already planned for me to preach, <laughs> And isn't, I mean, because my dad asked me, I'll do it, you know, Allie, I know you like to shop and eat, and so you'll be busy before Thanksgiving, <laughs> so you want me to preach after Thanksgiving? And I said, no, I would love to. And um, just the fact that those, God knows in advance, just that little thing, God knew in advance that my dad would need to be gone, and then I would need to be preaching today. <sighs> that is cool! Okay, we're going to get more excited today, I guarantee you, especially once we start talking about scripture. Um, but I also have family in town from Texas. I have my uncles, my aunts, my grandma, and then my other aunt back there. And that's my mom, my brother's sister, or my brother. <laughs> Hi, I got four. I was just like, just kidding. Okay, that's my dad's sister, uh, uh, Cheryl's back there, and then my mom's brothers and basically sisters. So if you guys get a chance, and my grandma, mamaw, buddy, we call them mamaw. So we're from Texas and Arkansas. We got mamaw and mamaw. Try and say that. Ask Gina how to pronounce it. She goes, Mama. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the family. That's what I want to say. This is a family affair today. <laughs> Yay. <clears throat> so we are wrapping up the book of Acts, literally this week. I know you guys keep thinking this is going on and on, but it's such a beautiful book, really. And we have gone chapter, pretty much chapter by chapter since June. Now, the last one that we touched on was chapter 24. And then Dr. Dan did a recap for me last week, which was fantastic. Thank you, because I didn't know how I was going to fit that into this. So I appreciate God and his provision, the recap of what Acts is about. But then there's still four chapters. We have 25, 26, 27, and 28 that was given to me. 
the one that preached for an hour. I'm like, you, you gave me four chapters to try and preach. So don't worry, I'm not going to preach them all, okay? Just breathe, and um, we'll get through this together. But in the meantime, um, I just, the fact that Dr. Dan got to preach, Josiah got to preach, Andy was preaching, my dad preached, and I preached. It's pretty cool to have such a teaching team. Um, it is cool to have the opportunity to operate and to work on my gifts, whatever God has called me to do, and to, to learn from different styles, different ways, the word that, that God uses us and the personalities he gives us. It's a beautiful thing to learn from different people, and I'm just so blessed that in Acts 2, it says that in the last days, which is the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit will be poured out on all people, sons and daughters, young and old, so men and women, young and old. So we have a teaching team of all. You can decide who the young and old are. I'm not going to point fingers, but we're living this Acts thing out pretty well around here. Um, so from Acts 2 at Pentecost until the final verses of 28, we see the followers of what would be known as the way. They're faced with opposition, imprisonment, persecution, hardship, but one of hope and of perseverance, as Dr. Dan shared with us last week. And if you like tidy endings, this is not the book for you. Okay, so this thing ends pretty abruptly. Raise your hand if you're one of those people, and I already know of one for sure is in this room. Raise your hand if you're one of those people who read the last pages of a book before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you want to know how it ends? I knew Tori would have to raise her hand. Uh, or on Netflix, okay, I do this. I'm not a guilty of the book thing, but if you look at the episode and you go to it, you can see what happens in the last episode of the season to see if your characters are still in love. You know, it's like, I just want to know so I don't have to have so much stress. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. You're welcome, Tori. Um, I'm going to give you a little brief um, synopsis of what happens at the end because we're going to park in chapter 27, but at the very end of 28, Paul ends up in Rome, finally, after trial, trial again, trial again, a storm, a shipwreck, on the island for three months, finally makes it to Rome. He ends up in Rome for two years, and what we have here in Acts 28, 30 through 31, this is the last two verses in Acts. And Paul lived there for two full years at his own expense and his own rented lodging and welcomed all who came to him preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness and boldness, unhindered and unrestrained. What happened to Paul's trial? Did he make it? Did he get released? That's all I'm asking. So I know this is a good place to end. Paul does end up getting released. And it's not until about two years later that he, gets, he comes back to Rome and um, that is when he is persecuted, what is believed by Nero. So it's not happening in Acts, but the final, I love this, the final word in Acts, in Greek, is, watch me butcher this, akolatos, which means unhindered. The last word is unhindered. And I see this as the Acts of the Apostles is unhindered, and it's continuing, because the good news of the gospel is unhindered. It cannot be stopped. There is no force in this world that can stop the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's still living today. It's still going. The Acts of the Apostles is still going on right now. We're a part of this. And that's the beauty of the dot, dot, dot at the end of Acts that I see. But we're going to dive in um, to chapter 27, if you want to go ahead and get there with me. But through this all, through the persecution, there is a future hope that is awaiting all of these apostles, and they know it and believe it, are waiting for it with high expectations. They have a hope in what is to come, and they know that it matters how they live, and they live as people of hope. So what is hope? And we have to define this. My definition is believing and waiting in confident expectation of good things to come. Believing and waiting in confident expectation of good things to come. So even throughout all the persecution, there's good things that are happening throughout this book. So can I bring a little bit of hope today? <laughs> can I bring a little bit of hope today? Yes, we need hope. Look at the world around us. We are looking and we're watching and we're seeing the news feeds. And all I can say is, where's the hope? We need to bring the hope. That's us. That's God's plan through us, bringing hope to the world. So this should be exciting. This is our call. 
But today we're going to look how Paul is anchored in the hope that he had in God's promises and in the power of the resurrection of his Messiah, Jesus Christ. So today I hope to get your hopes up. We're going to dive into chapter 27 right here. Acts um, 1 starts out and it says, Then we set sail to Italy. So finally, the beginning of 27, they set sail to Rome. And when it says we, who is the writer of Acts? You can participate. I like this. Thank you, Luke. Um, I love participation. And Luke is the writer of Acts, and I think it's so critical for us to know who writes the book when we're reading it, because it gives a different perspective. So all of a sudden, Luke is going from third person to first person. He says, then we set sail for Italy. Luke is a very detailed writer. And the beauty of this is that when he sets sail for Italy, there's a storm coming, and there's a shipwreck coming, and we get the details. Okay, Luke is writing this to us. Um, and so if you get a map, okay, there's so many details that I love. If you're a detail person, go there. Um, but we're going to kind of walk through this. See, they leave, they leave in Caesarea. They go up to Sidon. They hit a lot of wind coming down because it's late in the fall. And when the, winters come down, the winter winds come down from the Arctic, it pushes them down from the northeast down. So they kept traveling, tried to travel up, and the winds pushed them down in between Cyprus, and they landed at Myra. They switched ships to an Egyptian ship from Alexandria. Okay, that's two times that Alexandria is used in Acts, and it's when I'm preaching. And that's my real name, so I have to point that out every time I'm in the Bible. Okay, so we're in Myra. They're on this massive ship. This is not some fishing boat going across the Sea of Galilee with 12 disciples and Jesus, okay? This is a massive thing that's happening. So they go to Myra, the winds push them down, and they end up in Fair Havens. Now, Fair Havens is a very exposed port. And Paul, this is in the middle, winter is coming. Oh, you guys don't watch that show? Okay, good. It's a bad show, bad show. Okay, Fair Havens. <laughs> okay, so it's exposed harbor, and they, Paul tells them, men, we cannot go. Do not go on the seas. Do not leave this port. And you know where they say they want to go? To Phoenix. Phoenix is in the Bible. I know you guys wanted to come to church to know that today. So they wanted to go up the side of Crete where Phoenix is, where there's only northwest and southwest exposure. They wanted to sail to Phoenix. Like, who's ever said that before? Okay, so they wanted to sail to Phoenix. But this is kind of what happens next. hope after watching that happen, right? You're like, Ali, I thought this was about hope. Well, it still is. Just wait for it. It's for good things to come, not happening right now. Okay, so whenever this happens, um, obviously, I took a liberty on the ship flipping upside down, but eventually, this ship that they're on does crash. But first, we enter in at Acts 27:20, and this is after they have pulled up all the lifeboats. They've tied the rope around the hull of the ship to keep it from breaking. They've dropped the sea anchor just to slow them down. They're desperate. They've thrown over cargo, which is their money supply. This is what people have paid them to carry for them. They throw this over, and then they start throwing the furniture over, all the things that make them comfortable. That'll preach, but we're not doing that today. Okay, they threw all of those things overboard. 
to survive, anything just to survive. And here we enter in in verse 20. And it says, wherever it is, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. All hope was gone. After they threw everything else overboard, there was darkness all around them, and it raged on for days and days and days. And they didn't have GPS, obviously, so the sun and the moon and the stars, all of those things, that was their guidance. They didn't know where they were. It was darkness all around them, and they were just praying. But all hope was lost. They didn't see how they were going to make it out of that. It's that face that you look in, that huge wave, wave is coming, and they're like, no. I don't have any more hope. There's no way. Hopelessness means a lack of understanding or believing that there's anything good to come, an impossible situation. Have we ever been there? And yeah, I think we have. To some extent, maybe you're only barely off the harbor and you feel that lack of hope. Or maybe you're the one where you're throwing everything overboard and you can't see anything in front of you. And you're just so desperate for a good word or anyone to help you. And I have been there. And it's those if only. It's like, if only we had left earlier and not waited to winter to leave. If only we had listened to Paul's advice. If only I had done this. If only, if only, if only. The if onlys will drown you. The if onlys will steal your hope. The regret that comes with the if only, that leaves us in hopelessness. And that's honestly, regret is what I struggle with the most because I hate wasting time. But I think we all have our own things that we work through. So I, I, I had this season recently of waste, feeling like, Lord, why didn't I start this sooner? Why did I have to go through those years of being away from you? Like, why did I choose to do that? Why did I do those things? I could have been so much further along. And then that's, that's it. that went into a whole dark place because I, I, I was regretting because I knew how great he is and I wish I had been living for him longer this way. You know, it's like a good thing, but then I was living in the past because I can't change that. But there's other things that people deal with. And this cultivates a spirit of shame, of guilt, blame, despair, depression, cynicism, a critical spirit. I'm going to keep going. Doubt, you know we're called believers, not doubters. So doubt, or worse, try to take hope from other people or not enjoy their hope when they're in it. You, have you ever been in that place where you're just so dark and you can't, you can't see the light and then when you see other people being so excited, you're just like, give me some of that light. You know, you throw this tantrum, I'm 29 and I've done it, okay? Like, I know that these things happen and we might not physically say it and we don't want to even feel it, but we do those things. But what I need you to see, though, is on this boat, on this ship, there's two different people. Ah, I'd say three. Three different situations. There's people who decided to go on when they knew they shouldn't. So their own decisions got them in this storm. There's other people whose because they are in the storm because of someone else's decision. Paul was on that boat because someone else's decision. He told them, don't go there. But he's stuck in the storm when he knew better, but somebody else decided. And I would say there's a third one, and that's just called life. Life happens to us. And around us, there's brokenness in this world, and we can't avoid some things that happen. And we just have to deal with the situations. And in that, we're stuck in the midst of the storm, and sometimes that's the only part of the storm, and sometimes it's a mixture of all three going on. And when you get all three, that's the hardest to get out of. But we have to address hopelessness, I believe, and understand it and acknowledge it so we can really fill this thing with hope. And we can have the understanding of what is to come. Because in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if we're waiting and we don't see it, we don't expect a different outcome, then we feel sick. Have you been there? That anxiety, that sickness. Sometimes you can't eat or have trouble sleeping. Those things happen. But it is 
the tree of life when those dreams are fulfilled. And that's what Paul comes in at 27, 1 through 26. When everyone else in the midst of hopelessness, Luke himself included, there is one person on board who against all hope, regret, exposure, abrupt change in plans, lots of cargo, lack of comfort, and blocked from the light, and no sense of where he was headed, Paul finally speaks up in 21. Finally, Paul, call, Paul called the crew together, and men said, men, you should have listened to me. I love this. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all the damage and loss. The ultimate I told you so. No, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, the, I don't think that Paul necessarily was saying it in that way. I think he was reminding them that I told you to avoid this and this is what happened. So you can trust my word what's coming at you right now. So we listen to the next thing he says. He's like, trust me, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the, God, of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness, in his goodness, has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> I'm sure he said that part under his breath. We will be shipwrecked on an island, but he says, take courage. You could trust me. Take courage. Get your hopes up. It's time to get your hopes up. We've been on this for days. It is time to get your hopes up. And he says that an angel of the Lord that he... Um, that has talked to him and told him to take courage. This angel appeared to him the night before. And what he's speaking of, when it says the angel told him that he will be on trial in front of Caesar, this happens in Acts 23, 11. So if we go back, remember I'm covering a lot of chapters here today. Um, Acts 23, 11, he appears to Paul. The Lord himself appears to Paul and says this. Take courage, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. So the Lord himself promised this to Paul in chapter 23. And now here is Paul in chapter 27, in the middle of the ocean, weeks on end, not eating, darkness, and he holds on to this hope. God told me I will be in Rome in front of Caesar. I believe God, and it will be just as he said. There's waves crashing in all around us. Water is coming in. We're losing our cargo. I have no appetite. We could barely stand up. We're probably seasick. But I don't care because my hope is in the word that God gave me back then. Now, when I'm here, the angel appears to me and reminds me of the courage that I have. Reminds me of the promise that God gave me. And he says, take courage, Paul. Don't be afraid. You're going to do what God told you. Now you have that hope and you go tell other people that we're going to end God's goodness Save everybody else because you are on the ship. In God's goodness, take courage. I believe God. What a powerful statement. Against all hope, Paul chose to believe God. And Paul himself wrote about this in Romans 4.18. He says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed God. See, at this point, Abraham was promised to be a father of many nations, right? He was promised, but at almost the age of 100, he still didn't have the rightful heir through Sarah that God had promised. Yet when everything looked like there's no way that a 100-year-old and a 90-year-old was going to have a child, he believed. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed God would do just as he said. Paul wrote those words in Romans before he was on the ship. You know, he was probably thinking, like, Abraham, against all hope, in hope, believed. Me, Paul, in hope, against all hope, will believe that God will do just as he said, to hold on to this hope. But what does that have to do with us? What, how do we do what Paul has done? And how do we cultivate this spirit of hope? I have five points today. And um, I don't have an outline like Dr. Dan. And I wish I was that planned out. But um, 
I want to share with you what I believe the Lord has given me um, as, a, as a basis to, to remind myself how to continue to not only cultivate hope in myself, but also to keep my, get my hopes up and keep your hopes up. This is my job today, to get your hopes up. There is good coming. In the name of Jesus, he will come back for us one day. And there's hope to believe in God and believe that God's promises are true and it will be just as he said. So the first point is believe God. Now there's a difference here between believe God and believe in God. I think there's a big difference. Um, when, when Paul says to these people, I believe God, it'll be just as he said, the thing is, is there's many people who believe in God, who would say that they believe in God, right? There's many people even that wouldn't say that they're necessarily Christians, but there are a lot of Christians that say they would believe in God. But my question is, to you today is, do you believe God? Do you believe God? Do you believe who he is? Do you believe that his character is true and right? Do you believe his promises that are given to us? But how do we know what those are? How do we know what his promises are? How do we know what his character is like? Does anyone know where I'm about to head to? I do this probably every time, and I probably always will. <laughs> there, there's so much. This is the truth that we stand on. These are God's words. And if we understand that these are God's words, then we can believe that God will do just as he said he will do. But to understand what he said, we got to go read it. we got to see it for ourselves, and not just for me showing you, but to know it for ourselves. This truth that we have to hold on to. In the midst of the storm, when people ask you, what do you believe? Do you believe in God? Or do you believe God is my comfort, my strength, my refuge, my shield? My Savior, he is gracious, he is loving, he is merciful, he is giving, he is generous, he is good. Just start going down the list. Read through Psalms and just start making lists of every word you see that describes God. It is like, he says that God's promises will be proven true. Psalm 18, I love that. If you want to go read something that points back to God, all of his attributes, Psalm 18 is so wonderful. I love it so much. And it says that with my God, I can crush any army. With my God, I can scale any wall. You start believing that, you, you, your life will start to change. Sometimes I just have to say that just to get up here. <laughs> my God can crush an army. <laughs> He's going to help me with my sermon. Okay, so that's what I pray. And you start walking differently because you believe him. You have a firm footing in his truth. You have a firm foundation. The belt of truth you know, that's the first thing that you're supposed to put on in the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6. Because if you don't put that on right, the rest of it won't fit right. The belt of truth holds the breastplate of righteousness in place. And your shoes, trying to turn your shoes on whenever, shoes of peace, hold your shield up while you're trying to fix your belt. And you have a sword and you have a helmet. How can you see? You better put that truth on right the first time. This is our truth. This is our foundation. We have to know what it's saying. We have to believe God. Because God does not lie. And it says that, in, I'm not going to read it, but it's in Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. God, it is impossible for God to lie. Impossible. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, we can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The next one is we need to ask in confidence. Ask in confidence. Prayer is so essential to this. And I feel like sometimes, okay, she's telling me to read the Bible. She's telling me to pray. These are the normal things that people say at church. You want to know why? <laughs> They're the essentials. They have to be happening. They're, that's where the good news is. We need to keep this lifeline open with God, our relationship, to say, Lord, I, I just need to ask you, I'm in the middle of this storm right now, and I can't see anything. I'm throwing everything overboard. I feel like nobody knows what I'm going through. There's not a time when I can catch my breath. Lord, help. Help me. Help, 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 help. The way Josiah was saying that sometimes we just have to say Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And this, I, this verse 
Romans 8, 26 through 28 helps me so much because I believe that sometimes people um, are intimidated to pray, especially in public. My family can totally attest to me. I, okay, every time they ask me to pray before dinner in front of my family, I'm like, no, don't make me pray in front of people. Funny now that I'm preaching, but anyways, and I used to do that all the time because it can be intimidating. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We feel like maybe we don't know how to, or we might um, be misunderstood or run out of words. This verse saves me. This is what helps me be able to pray out loud. It says, so God, oh, just kidding, it doesn't. It says, meanwhile, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how to pray or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our, our aching groans, He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our heavy condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. That is such good news that I don't have to stand up here and actually say every word perfectly that I'm trying to say to you. Because the Holy Spirit knows what I'm trying to say. And whenever I'm praying, he can take it to the Father because he knows my heart. I might not say a word. I might just be crying. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for us because he knows our hearts. So whenever we're asked to pray or we're going into prayer and we're intimidated, don't be. Because the Holy Spirit knows your heart and is interceding for you. Isn't that such good news that we don't have to be perfect? (sighs) I mean, that should lift some burdens off of some people today. Like, you don't have to be. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. That, my friend, is such good news that he will work it all out for your good and his purposes. The third one, to see with greater perspective. When we believe that God is really good and that he really is generous and that he will work things out for our good, and that we've been asking and spending time with him to work these things out and to help us, to help us get through this day, to be nice to someone, because that's the only, we don't even want to talk to anybody. When we're asking, and when we believe those things that we've asked him, we start to get this perspective where we're like, okay, now I've asked, so maybe I should lift up my head and look and see what he's doing. Is he answering me? Is he listening to what's going on? Is he working things out for my good? And I would dare to say, once we start to lift our eyes up, and it's okay to be down, it's okay to, but when we start to lift our eyes up, it's almost like we start to get off the ground. It's that posture that we're coming out of the storm. We start to see people around us again. We start to see that maybe we're put in their lives for a reason. Maybe the thing that we're going through is to help someone else. Maybe the thing that we're going through doesn't make any sense at all, but God's trying to comfort us in that to say, I am still good. I am still loving. I am still your Savior. Through it all when things don't make sense. See with my perspective. There's other things going on, and then we stop looking at everything that we've lost. And we start to look at all the things that could be. Now it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. It doesn't say don't think about. See, right before that verse in Isaiah 40, it's talking about wonderful things. He's like, I saved you from the, like, saved you from the Egyptian army, we've gone through the sea, all of those things, they're wonderful things, but he says, forget about all that, and don't dwell on them. I'm about to do a new thing. Stop, stop leaving back here, I'm about to do a new thing. See with my perspective. It's hard because you want to get locked into this moment that's happening right now, but there's something good I have planned for you coming ahead. There's someone coming in your life that needs you to work through it now so you're ready to be a witness to them then. To see with greater perspective. To have our heads up. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, working in us, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. 
See with, with greater perspective. Put your vision on him. See, I was just going through a time where I knew, I believed who God was, but I was asking because I couldn't see. It was a dark time. I'm like, Lord, where is the hope? I know you are, but where, where is it in the world when you start seeing earthquakes and, and, and all the massacres and everything going on? And he's like, no, you are still good. You will, in the end, you win. In the end, you will come back and make all things new. No, in the end, I had to go back to what I believe to get me to start asking for things again, to get me to see with the vision that God has for me to see through, the lenses of God. Yes. But see, in that, in the vision of God, he gave me that song, Be Thou My Vision. Because I placed myself in a, we had simulcast, I don't know if who was here that day, we had simulcast, the women did, and they played this video, and it was to be thou my vision, and that was probably in my darkest, I'm like, Lord, I just want to see you. I know you're here, but I can't see light. And it's just be thou my vision. He's just like, lift up your head a little bit. Stop looking here and just lift. I was like, oh, yeah. You are my sweetest thought. You are my treasure. You are my king. Whatever befall, can I say that with, with, with belief behind it? Yeah. Whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Ruler of all. Be thou my vision. See with greater perspective. Have your vision locked on God. And number four, expect God to move. So now we've asked our heads up, we can start seeing things again. Expect God to move. In Psalms, it says, we present our requests before you in the morning and wait expectantly for you to answer them. It's okay to, to expect God to answer you. It's okay to expect good things to come. It might not be what you're exactly hoping, like hoping for. I can't use that word in this sermon. Can't be what you're looking for. Uh, it might not be exactly the thing that you prayed for, but he will provide for you in another way. He's waiting for us to ask him, to look for him to do things. I mean, even this sermon, I was reading all these chapters and thinking like, oh, this is great stuff, but I can't land anywhere. I don't know where to land on this. After that, I started praying for it, and I'm like, God, you're going to show me. I know you will. And all of a sudden, through a lot of different things. Hope was the word that came up. Hope, hope, give them hope. I will hope while I wait on the Lord. I will soar on wings like eagles. I will run and not grow weary. I had this dream, and now all the women make fun of me for it because dreaming about this eagle and the whole Isaiah 40, 30, 31 was in my dream. And I was like, they make, like these eagles are just flying around. And they end all of my stories with, and then an eagle flew, and fell, flew into the window. And I'm like, girls, I'm not telling you anything vulnerable ever again. Like, <laughs> now you guys all know and can make fun of me. Quite all right. Um, but these things, and then all of a sudden, somebody posted that same verse that morning, and then I switched my little daily calendar, and my daily calendar was that verse. And I was like, is this the verse of the day on you version? Like, what is going on? And it wasn't. So that's when I knew that this was God. And then it kept coming, all the little cheesy devotionals that Andy despises. I love them, so <laughs> I look just in case every day there's a commonality in the words because I'm asking for God to, to speak to me, and he did that. I expected him to move, but I also put my plate, put myself in positions and, and ways that I have a calendar up. I have Christian friends that post things on Facebook. I have devotions that I'm logged into. I'm in the word during the day, and all of a sudden, when I'm asking him to move, he does because I'm looking for it. He is faithful. We can expect him to move. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew that he would. I know that he would. He hasn't failed me yet. The fifth thing, after our expectation is in God and God alone, and now, Lord, what do I wait for and expect? My hope and expectations are in you. The last one is to stand firm. Stand firm. When you get there as that anchor for your soul, when we're faced with opposition but are already grounded in hope, we're able to thrive in the midst of unpredictable change. See, when our hope is already there and we're expecting God to move and we see him moving, then all of a sudden we can stand firm in the fact that he is who he says he is. I've asked him, I can see him moving, I'm expecting it, and I can move in anything that comes my way. I'm going to go back to the fact that I believe God. I believe what he said. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But I want to show you this verse that literally might be my new favorite. Okay. Wow, I can sing. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I can't. Okay. Luke 21, 19. Stand firm and you will win life. You know who says this? Jesus. Jesus says that. Stand firm and I want a t-shirt. I want a t-shirt. Stand firm and you will win life. If you didn't know of the competition, apparently, you know, now. But he will give you everything you need to win this thing because he has already won. He's given you everything you need to win because if you have him living in you, the one who's already won in the end, we already know how it's going to end, then you can stand firm because you've already won life. When those waves are crashing in on you, oh, you've already won life. When you've lost that relationship, whenever you regret the time that you've spent on all of those people, and you're just like, they don't even care my advice. Would you please just listen to me? Stop asking me if you're not going to listen. You have those? Okay. Um, no, 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 no. I'm supposed to give life because I've already won life. I'm supposed to give hope to finally stand firm. In Ephesians 6, it says, at the end of everything, to stand firm. Stand firm. So this is what we have. Believe, ask, see, expect, and stand. Cover your bases. Cover your bases. When you're in the midst and you feel like you can't go on, have you covered your bases? When someone else is going through something, you can ask them, have you covered your bases? Here, let me ask you, do you believe God and what he has said? Have you asked him? Are you seeing the people around you or seeing how maybe God could use this in your life? Are you expecting him to move? Because he wants to show you that he is good, that he is faithful. And even in the midst of all of that, stand firm and encouragement. Stand firm. You will win life. You can use that all day. Luke 21, 19. Stand firm. You want to win life? I'll tell you to cover your bases. All right? I wasn't even trying to do this, by the way. If you know me, I don't do acronyms usually. God gave me this. That's how I really know it was him because this is not usually the way that I operate. But it says cover your bases. You see, after Paul led the crew um, to believe in God's word, the spirit on the board started to change. Then they started um, to see that maybe, maybe there's, there's a sense that there's land ahead. All of a sudden their heads started to lift. And then they started praying for daylight it says that if you keep reading. They started praying for daylight. And then before dawn, Paul gets them up. He says, like, you know what? I think we all need to eat something. We haven't eaten for 14 days. I think it's time. Um, yeah, especially after Thanksgiving. We have turkey. We should send it. Um, but honestly, he says that to them. He's like, okay, now it's time. Expect that things are about to change. Start feeding yourself. Start getting strong again because things are about to change. So they do. They expect it. They see landfall. This the light comes up, and at dawn, they see land. The next morning, their hopes got up the night before with Paul. The next morning, they expected to see something, and they did. Does it always happen that fast? No, but in this story, it did. Luckily, for time's sake, because I need to end this thing. But, yes. See, Paul was encouraged by the angel from the promise that was made to him by the Lord. Then Paul got his hopes up, and then he got other people's hopes up. We have to find it to give it. We have to have it to give it. And this world, I'm telling you, needs some hope. There's a church around us that needs hope. Really, within the big capital C church, I mean, I believe that revival is coming, but if I say that to people, sometimes I get this look. Huh? Do you see what's happening in our nation? And I was like, revival. Revival. We can change this thing. You have a choice. You might not have chosen to get into the storm. Or maybe you did. But you have a choice. Am I going to survive it? Am I going to survive this storm? And how? How am I going to get? How fast am I going to get out of it? That can change things too. 
Stand firm. So they get there, and they see this land. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, land ho, we're going to just run the ship aground. They're on their way in. And then they hit too early. They hit a shoal, if that's how you say it. I've done a lot of nautical research this week on this, and it didn't help me at all. Shoal. They hit a shoal, and then all of a sudden, the winds start crashing in. And then, um, the winds, that too probably, the waves start crashing in. And then the bow starts to break, and the ship starts to, par- to, to tear apart, and then it starts to sink. Did they go back to their feeling of despair and hopelessness? Nope, they did not. What they did was, is they saw the land now. They see it. They're getting there. I see my land, and I'm expecting to get there. I'm expecting to win life right now. I don't care that I'm going to have to jump and swim for my life. If I can't swim, the, the, the commander says, if you can swim, jump and go. If you can't swim, wait a second until a plank breaks off and take the debris in. He literally tells them that. They thrived in unpredictable change because they saw their destination. So when the winds came in, the ship started to sink. They said, oh, mm, solution, let's jump. And then they got there safely, all 276 of them safe on that island. Because Paul, one man, decided to be anchored in hope. And in hope, believed that God would be and do just as he said he would do and lifted the spirits of all of those around him. And Josiah, if you guys want to go ahead and come on up. See, on the island of Malta, which is a really cool story that I just can't get to today, 28, go read it. Paul gets bit by a snake, and it's just really crazy. Um, But in that, he even has hope. He gets bit by a snake and then tosses it into the fire as the islanders are waiting for him to die. They're like, oh, this guy must have, I'm obviously telling you the story. Um, Okay, but it's so cool because they are waiting for him to die and he's just like, he just stands there and just throws the snake into the fire. What a witness. He did not even say a word. See, he believed he was going to Rome. I'm sure he asked the Lord to prevail in this situation. He, was seeing, he wanted them to see. He saw the witnesses around him of the, the Holy Spirit healing power. He expected God to move. And then he stood firm. He was a witness without a word. He told the word to the crew. He didn't have, he, he could say it to them. He spent time with them. These are people he just met. It was his actions that gave them hope that there was a God. After they were waiting for him to die, they said, oh, He must be a God. No, he went on healing and saving that whole island in the three months that he was stuck there. He left the island of Malta three months later, healing many and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. He saved the 276 on board, and he was an example to 100 more on an island. He didn't choose to be there, but God used Paul's obedience and hope while he was there to change the outcome of other people's lives. What if Paul didn't go through all that? What would happen if he didn't go through the storm? Would the people on the ship have been saved that day? Would the people of Malta come to know Christ as their Savior? We don't know how God works in all of these things. But I will say that he will work them out for his glory if you're willing to be used for his purposes. No matter if this storm you're going through is one of your own doing, of someone else's choices, or maybe you just happen to pick up the wrong sticks with a snake in it, that's going to bite you. Just this thing called life, I'm here to tell you that there's hope in all of it because there is a God who loves you and sees you and has called you according to his purpose. And we are to cultivate the spirit of hope because we are called to be people of hope. And if we are people of hope, then we'll cultivate the spirit of the living God. The hope is this, And the ending of the story is we are faced with trials and tribulations and we need to remember, but this is not our home. Oh, I love that. This is not our home. So when we're faced with all these trials and these waves and these storms, this place is not our home. I shared this with the women. I cut my finger one day and it was painful and I was like, Lord, this is not my home. There's going to be a day with no pain and no crying, no tears. The simplest reminder or the biggest reminder in tragedy 
This place is not our home. There's a future hope for us. We should be living with this anchor for our souls. We should be living with our hopes up. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. And I hope you profess it today because it will change your life and it'll change the life of people around you. So I ask you, trade regret of time lost to believe that God is good and he can work things to his glory and purposes. Ask him to take the shame, the loneliness, the despair and sadness and bring comfort, redemption and peace. Look up for a moment and see the people he has placed around you to help you and for you to witness to. Expect him to work in and through you according to his will and stand firm until you grab hold of that future glory that's coming for you one day. Whether he shows up while we're still alive or you take your last breath. There is hope in this life because of the future eternity we spend with Lord Jesus Christ. Please stand with me. Thank you for going on this journey through Acts with us. It has been a privilege to teach on the early church and the power of the spirit that he poured out on all of us. No matter where we're from, no matter who we are, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. So believe, ask, see, expect, and stand. Cover your bases because our hope are in the promises of God and these are his promises and let me read them over you. God's promise, God promises to never leave you or forsake you. God promises to fight for you. God promises to go before you. God promises to renew your strength. God promises that no weapon formed against you will prevail. God promises to be with you by the still waters, in the dark valleys, and on the mountaintops. God promises to be with you in the presence of your enemies. He promises to give you wisdom, joy, faith, and peace in the midst of hardship. He promises to give you hope and a future and mercy and grace and love abounding a plan of salvation. His son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth and gave up his life for you and then rose on the third day as he has promised. He has promised to us the Holy Spirit to be with us every single day until the day Jesus, the King, returns for us. The Father will make all things new. He has promised. So be strong and take courage, dear one. Get your hopes up. This is not our home. This is not the end. There is more to come. The church needs you. The world needs you. Let the Lord lift your chin to the sun and let your light shine for the world to see.